family, and welcome to Normal with Autism. We are walking with faith on this side of the spectrum. Welcome to the podcast where we invite some neurotypical people to our kitchen table to learn about special needs families and hopefully provide encouragement to those families that are in our special needs community. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Tara. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I am, my heart is full. I know, right? Today, there's so many good things happening this week. Well, first, can we talk about, like, the sun is shining and the birds are chirping. It's like straight up Mr. Rogers weather, and I'm super happy about it. It is. It is. It's a little bit cool. And that movie is coming out soon. And I think we'll all have to go with, like, yes. cold hands. So on we Thanksgiving, we'll all, like, go cry. to the movies and, yeah. Just all cry. The, okay, did you watch the trailer? A little bit. Because I'm like, Tom Hanks is a national treasure, obviously. <laughs> but is. then he's, like, singing, and I'm like, oh, but Woody is singing to me. Oh, but from Buzz and Woody, yes. yes. Like, I can't not... <laughs> you cannot picture him. I can't not hear it that way. As Woody. It looks so good, though. So, um, I just want to share with you, Quentin got baptized last night. Yay! And I'm Go cute my, another reason my heart, my mommy heart is filled up this morning. Yeah. Um, and he got baptized at our church, the ex church. And they had the season party last yeah. night. Um, he got baptized by our one of our amazing allies, Judah. Hi, Judah. Judah's awesome. All his hair is gone now. I, I can't even, I, I don't even want to see it. I know. I don't even want to think about it. His beautiful locks are gone. All his Jesus hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. Jesus' hair is gone, but I was very happy that Judah got to baptize him because they kind of have a connection together, and Q is very excited about that. And he's his, um, so our church has a middle school kind of separate from youth group, right? Well, yeah, they have They're all kind of in together. And a high school, yeah. And he's the, like, youth group director guy. Yeah, Yeah. person. Cool. Um, so that was really neat to see. And we have some video up of that. And then um, the amazing Kim Smith, one of our quality control yeah. panelist people. Keeps it sounding right, decent for right. us. <laughs> Who gives us our notes and our feedback. She yeah. actually took the pictures. So oh, nice. I'm excited to see what those are going to look like. Awesome. Yeah. So we're a little closer to Jesus this morning. Yeah. That's amazing. It. Yeah. Um, so I also am excited because we're not at the kitchen table this morning. Oh my gosh, we sure aren't. We are at a really big table in an awesome conference room. and With a garage door, you guys. With a garage door. Like this place is amazing. And my friend who is an interior designer, the lighting fixture, she would be all types of excited yeah. about it. So It looks so good. It does. So um, like I said, I know we spent some time checking in and... We kind of want to jump right into things today. We have a lot to talk about. We do have a lot to talk about. This is our episode where we have a very special guest, and we're going to talk about some special education law. So it's a pretty big topic, um, and we're going to do our best to hit on some of the broader topics today, and then maybe in future episodes as we get to it, we'll invite ourselves back. Yeah. Can we just come back? Yeah. (laughs) I'm getting a thumbs up. Um, and I think we'll we'll go into some details then, yeah. but some broader topics today. So this is an episode that I think is going to be close to yours and mine's heart. Yes. And especially your heart, mm-hmm. because you had some dealings with our district. Yes. And you actually, did you get an advocate? Um, we talked with an advocate, um, but she did not go with us like for our meeting or anything, but she okay. did give us a lot of good advice. Uh, and then Owen's team like from franklin county came 
Um, his therapist from Children's came. Okay. Um, like, I showed up with, like, my three people, and I'm like, yeah, we're going to. And I show up, and there's, like, 17 people in there. And I'm like, oh, all right. Right. That's how we're going to do this? Okay. Felt a little outnumbered. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just a bit. It sounds But, like no, it. they gave us a lot of good advice and um, basically just told me what I needed to do to get what I wanted. Held your and guess through what? the process. I got it. Yeah. So well, we take that. <laughs> that's one of the things I want to talk about. And I'm actually getting ready to start getting in with our district again because I'm going to advocate for Finn for some stuff that he needs. Um, but I'll just go ahead and introduce our special guest. This is Chad Abraham. Yay, I Yay. got it right. Welcome, Chad. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad to be here. We're so happy to have you. And um, Chad, you are an advocate. Yes. Okay. And I'm going to just kind of let you introduce yourself for a second and maybe talk about the law offices that we're at for a second, and then we'll go from there. Sure. I think uh, first and foremost, so I don't get in trouble, um, I've been married to my wife, Jen, um, for nine years. (laughs) That's a good way to start. Yeah. So (laughs) there's the plug for Jen. Um, She is actually a sixth grade language arts teacher. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. My favorite so, subject. Mm-hmm. And we have a beautiful daughter, Aria, who's oh. two and a half. I which, love that name. Thank you. My wife likes the show Pretty Little Liars, yes, too. Yes, okay. that's my husband's favorite show. <laughs> and she will tell you that she didn't get it from there, but believe me, she did. That's so um, Yes, and then myself, I am an advocate, a non-legal advocate for Albeit Weicker LLP. Um, been working here almost seven months now mm-hmm. um, and it's just it's been fantastic to be able to work with the attorneys and everything here to collaborate to get successful cases and they were very generous us to us this morning it had us come into their beautiful conference room and was so excited to be here and um, we're just we're just so happy to have you on, and I can't wait to kind of get into stuff. So I don't think I slept last night, so <laughs> I, was, I was excited too. Well, let's, a little nervous too. I'm not gonna lie. We're, yeah, we're actually really nervous too, yeah, but we're feeling kind of like extra and professional this morning. Yeah, so. which we're not used to. No, we're usually I'm rolling up in my pajamas, like, hey, Tara, what are we gonna talk about today? <laughs> right. Yeah, and in the meetings, I'm super cool, but I guess you know, <laughs> other people listening, it's just a different uh, venue for me here. <laughs> Having the mic in front of you yeah. kind of makes it yeah. look But crazy. you're going to do fine. It's going to be amazing. Our listeners are going to get so much good information, probably more than they can handle. And it's like, we're going to be, ah, yes, it's going to be great. <laughs> and this is the episode where if you're listening, I mean, hopefully uh, we'd love that you listen in the car because we get that if you're driving back and forth, but you might want to stop and listen to this again. Take some notes. Take some notes and get some good information down. So, But if you do have questions, you can always, you know, message us at Normal with Autism on Facebook or on Instagram. We can answer what we know, which isn't a lot. <laughs> and we will be happy to direct you to the wonderful professionals here. Yeah. Um, and... You know, let's kind of give you some more information, or yeah, and we would be happy to help. Yeah, that'd awesome. be great. Let's kind of jump into it. So, um, Chad, in your bio, 
Um, it states that you had worked as a special education teacher. Did I get that right? You did. I okay. did for 14 years. For 14 years. And then a service provider mm -hmm. for the county boards. And I think most of our audience listening will know what a service provider is. Okay. Um, but for those that don't, would you kind of tell us about that for just a second? Sure. So a service provider works for your county board of DD. Um, and parents receive federal money, state money, to pay for service providers to come into the house, to get adults, even children, out into the community. So it was a nice job while I was working my way through college, um, receiving my degree in special education, because they correlated. I did my first um, service provider work in Wood County, which is where Bowling Green is, and then once I started teaching and moved back to the Columbus area, during the summers, I worked for Franklin County Board of MRDD. So, nice. so you have kind of experience in like a more rural county, mm -hmm. and then experience here in our our city county, and you're kind mm -hmm. of smiling at that a little bit. Which is very different, yes. And you would, Franklin County does a great job. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of people that are applying for services through Franklin County. So some of it, you know, the rural districts are sometimes quicker more apt to provide more money mm -hmm. for the specific case so yeah mm -hmm. you know depends on because wood county was great absolutely fantastic and now we're all thinking can we move to wood county i know i'm like looking up on zillow right like, what is it <laughs> do you do you have you seen that where like you've worked with families and maybe you've seen like they're thinking about moving because of county services absolutely and yeah. a good example right now would be marion county mm -hmm. their board has shut down there's no more money oh wow so you have people in Marion that are moving down to Delaware or, you know other counties where there's still county funding to make sure that they're getting the, the oh, services oh my that gosh are out I there. didn't know that yeah or if, if you could see our faces we're kind of like my jaw hit how does a how does a county board shut down that I can't give you a, a definite answer for they have run out of money oh my goodness that is okay. Whether that's, so, you know, and I don't know, so I don't want to state anything. Sure, fact, yeah, but, you know, yeah. Mis I, mismanagement or I, I don't know, yeah. Just wow. don't know. I didn't even know. I guess I wouldn't have even thought that that would have even been a yeah. possibility. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen with that because I thought the same thing as you. If you're in that county, you know, there, there has to be laws. Again, I'm not a lawyer, but mm -hmm. that there has to be some kind of services out there. Yeah. Right. You know, so... We'll see where that goes, but yes, I do see people moving to different counties for. Oh my goodness! Delaware does a great job. Yeah, yeah. And Delaware that, has quite the reputation for yeah. being a great county to live in. And I think that's part like from. for our, our our maybe non special needs families, people who are listening. That is part of our lives. Yeah. Like Keith and I are actively considering in two years when Q is done with high school, mm -hmm. do we move out of the county so we can get what Finney needs? And mm -hmm. like, it's one of those things where you're like, what won't I do for my kid? Yeah. And if that means I gotta pick up and move, I gotta pick up and move. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, and, well, and we, like we have county funding, like we have a waiver, we have, uh, you know, a provider, like a respite provider, we have, like everything we could possibly have in the county. So when we moved three years ago, we had to make sure we stayed in Franklin County. Mm -hmm. So the town that we live in is half Franklin, half Fairfield. Mm -hmm. So we had to make sure that we stayed on the Franklin County side because we weren't starting over. We wouldn't have gotten anything. What were you gonna say in terms of? No, and 
people in Dublin. I mean, great school district, but live in Delaware on purpose to get the mm -hmm. county funding through Delaware just because it would be quicker. Franklin County does a great worlds. job. They're just, you know, they're overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah big time. Um, so it, in terms of being the special ed teacher, the service coordinator, you also had several certificates mm -hmm. in different areas. That was amazing for me to see. Um, and one of them included the ABA certificate. Yep. How did you, just out of curiosity, how did you decide, like, I need these certificates as well? What What's that like? Dependent upon the caseload. Okay. Um, the ABA, just being a male in the profession mm -hmm. while I was teaching, mm -hmm. a lot of the cases that dealt with behavior came to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I really like that because I think there's so much you know, when you've reached that point of success, it is like a celebration because you're you're, you're modifying behaviors, you're changing mm -hmm. that child's life. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'm still. I mean, I do a lot of advocacy cases now mm -hmm. on that because it's so big yeah. to me. Um, you're very passionate. Yes. Like just sitting here listening to you, seeing the background that you have. Can you kind of sum up a little bit about like maybe where that passion came from for you? Yeah. And then one other thing about the, the certificates too is special ed is changing so much mm -hmm. and districts need to keep up with that. I know this is probably a bad word right now, but Orton-Gillingham, um, mm. there was a huge push for that to be put into IEPs, which is a multi-sensory reading program. Mm -hmm. And you just have to, right into the IEP in the correct way. Mm -hmm. But all of those trainings that I've had, and there's a list, have been, I mean, awesome for me mm -hmm. while in meetings. Because I'm able to talk. I'm able to talk about the assessments that they're giving. I'm able to understand them. Um, know if they're subjective or objective, if they're going to get proper data. So yeah. I, you, I, I'm you so You know the language. Absolutely. And you've been on both sides of that table. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's amazing. So where did this passion come from? So... Well, I've got about four or five different places. <laughs> um, some people say I was forced into it, but no, it became an obsession for me. Uh, when I was growing up in Upper Arlington, my mom was a cross-categorical preschool teacher for Upper Arlington City Schools. While she was married to my stepfather, they adopted my brother and sister, Charlie. Um, Charlie is, does, is on the autism spectrum. Also, we have a sister, Ellie who has learning disabilities. So growing up, just kind of, you know, working with them and being around that, I've been around it my whole life. And then my dad, so, you know, they're shared parenting, so I couldn't really escape it either <laughs> place I went, was a, is a special education coordinator for mm -hmm. a major district here in Ohio. Um, so it was introduced to me at a very young age. Mm -hmm. Then I get into the, doing the service provider work and the, the an intervention specialist, special education teacher, and I realized how much need is out there. Mm -hmm. And it's not that parents don't know what their child needs, because I think a parent's intuition is by far the most powerful thing that I can have. It's how to word that and the semantics of getting those things in place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's where my passion came from. I felt that I, you know, I'm not going to lie, after 14 years, you know, it was time for a change, mm -hmm. but I felt I can't get out of this world because I love it. I love working with the students and, you know, making things happen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it continues to drive me. And then, and then the cases that I have because 
I always like to meet the student prior mm-hmm. to walking into the meeting. I don't ever want to walk into a meeting and have somebody on the other side of the table ask me, well, have you ever met them? Mm-hmm. Well, no, and that's not a very good answer if I'm sitting there advocating for them. Mm-hmm. I usually, too, bring a picture of the student to the IEP meeting because too many times, or ETR meetings, it is words, and we're not talking about the student. Mm-hmm. So that's a powerful thing, but every case continues to drive my passion because they're different. We have to look at them at a different angle and get creative sometimes. Mm-hmm. I love this guy. So Chad is going to come with us everywhere. Please, He's please just do. Gonna, I'm just going to take him with me wherever I go and be like, this is my new friend, Chad, and he's going to help me get what I need for Finn. And everybody, we're all going to love each other, and it's going to work out great. Yeah. I wish you could see Tara's face right now. She's like <laughs> so happy. We're both like nerding out. Oh, we are. We are. This, okay. I love it. All right. Uh, next question. Sure. So um, Sarah kind of mentioned it. You obviously you know both sides of the table, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Especially like I'm thinking like picturing an IEP meeting um, because you have the background in teaching and being a service provider. How do you think those like dual perspectives benefit you when you are working with a family? Obviously you mentioned um, you make it knowing the kid like a priority you want to know the kiddo that you're working with but what what else do you think benefits you from having those and to start that the answer to that question i am not an advocate that goes in there with the boxing gloves on from the start i think i know from experience that you get a lot more if you're working collaboratively as an iep team there's no you know there is a time to dig your heels in for -hmm. things but when you make those times important it's a lot more effective so my whole goal since i started advocating is to bridge the gap between parents and districts because a lot of the time it's just misunderstanding but on the same token since i meet the student since i have been in a classroom before there's a lot of advocates that get asked the question, have you ever met the student and how would you implement this in the classroom? Mm-hmm. So it's nice for me to be able to field those questions that some of the you know directors ask. Also, I had to write 16 IEPs a year. So Oh my gosh. The, like I'm just taking a deep breath on that. Yeah, <laughs> so for 14 years, so do the math. I, I didn't teach math, so. Right, <laughs> um, yeah. So there are so many, you know, confusing acronyms and mm-hmm. sections to the IEP but you know writing those I haven't mastered it by any means you know I'm still learning but there's a lot of good you know background that I have w- when writing this so I, I'm able to look at the goals make sure they're measurable they're smart mm-hmm. things of that nature mm-hmm. and then the service provider helps me because I do do not a lot but some cases up at the county boards okay I just did one in Delaware for okay. a little girl okay. trying to get a wheelchair ramp. So that helps to know some of the, you know, ins and out behind that. Behind that. Yeah, now I do have to rely on our lawyers here sometimes for that because you're getting more into the law. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. So you, you kind of segued me into our next thing, which I want to talk about because you mentioned kind of the alphabet soup of things, mm-hmm. right? Because we have a lot of acronyms. Yep. So. Can we just jump into that? Is sure, that okay? Absolutely. All right. So um, let's get started with um, some of the ones that maybe we all know. Um, let's start with idea. 
because I think that's a good place to like you know big broad umbrella picture mm -hmm. so what is idea it's a good Can idea to start with that talk about that <laughs> oh, oh and he's oh. funny okay yeah but now I Sarah's face is like now I'm nerding out. Okay. <laughs> New best friend. So IDEA, or I-D-E-A, is the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. It is a federal law. Um, the two purposes are to provide FAPE, which I know we're going to go over in a mm -hmm. little bit, the free and appropriate public education to children with disabilities, as well as um, to give parents a voice, you know, in planning the future for their child, because that's essentially what the IEP is. IDEA is also all the time, you know, making amendments as the special ed world changes. So it is, it, it, it's, it's a safeguard for mm -hmm. parents. Mm -hmm. You know, you get those packets at the IEP meetings that you feel like you have 15 of at mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. Read them though. I mean, because a lot of your rights are listed in there. Okay. And actually the State Department has made it a lot shorter than it used to be. Okay. So, I mean, you can go onto ODE and actually get like cliff notes. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's important to know your rights. Oh, I've gone in there with my highlighted packet before. Have you? Oh, yeah. You're like, this is what it is. Yeah. All right. That's because fantastic. you can't just, you know, not teach my kid math because yeah. you teach it in the afternoon, but you'll only let him go to school for a half day. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. Now, I will say, just before we leave IDEA, <laughs> um, it gets difficult for parents, and I think you need to keep that in mind that IDEA covers birth through 21 or graduation of high school, whichever comes first. And then you transition into the Americans with Disability Act or ADA. Okay. So if, you know, dependent upon the need, but if they're college bound, you need to make sure that they're advocating for themselves through the student services department at that college. There are colleges out there that are much more receptive and, and work with students with special needs mm -hmm. than, than others. So definitely do your research in that. Mm -hmm. Good to know. It just kind of in kind of thinking about that question, what do you think makes it that the, the colleges tend to be more receptive? What do you do you have some any, colleges. Some colleges. Some colleges, yes. What do you think that's I think we're on a good trend because uh, just all the inclusiveness, you know, with the employment and things like that. So colleges are jumping on board because there are a lot of students that with some simple accommodations could be very successful throughout mm -hmm. college and do wonderful things after that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know the exact percentage, but when you look at NASA, um, the number of people, I think it's 30%, don't quote me on that, um, are on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's so much that these individuals have, we just need to accommodate to make sure that things get through. Mm -hmm. And it's not modifying anything, it's simply accommodations. Yeah. I love it. And autism's not going away. Yeah, you know, special needs aren't going away. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the more we can plan for that, the better off we're going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Start planning at 14. Yeah. That's in the IEP. And I'll, I want to hear more about that. Yeah, we'll talk. Tell me, so tell me about FAPE. FAPE is, that's, uh, a lot of my cases are based on. It's a free and appropriate public education. And really, I'm going to focus on the appropriate part because it is such a broad term. And it really, people understand the appropriateness of the education in different ways. First of all, it needs to be very individualized. You know, what's appropriate for one student is not appropriate for the next. That's when services come into play. And I mean, that's what it really comes down to is 
is the district providing a free and appropriate public education? If they're doing that, they're in compliance. A lot of times there are, and it, just because parents don't know, there's other services that could probably be added to supplement what they're already doing, um, and that's appropriate. So the, the appropriateness is the big word. There have been case laws on that and, and things like that, so that gives you the little wiggle room to, I don't want to say negotiate with the district, but that's essentially you know what you're doing. Do you think that's where most of the difficulties lie in terms of, of trying to get parents and districts on the same page as they, they have a disagreement about what is appropriate? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I, all the time, you know, do they need a one-on-one paraprofessional? Maybe parents think yes because of what they've seen. I see that a lot going into preschool too because it's, it's hard for districts because they haven't seen this child. They've done... Mm -hmm an ETR, an evaluation on them, but haven't worked with them. So it's kind of hard to provide a one-on-one -on -one aid from day one, so I get that. But at the same time, there is data to back up, you know, maybe that that child needs a paraprofessional, mm -hmm. be proactive rather than reactive. Gotcha. And that's where the disagreements usually lie. Okay. Um, we like to push districts to, you know, take care of the problem before it happens instead yeah. of, you know, when it happens. Mm -hmm. I know for us, um, so it's a free and appropriate public education, but it's also in their least restrictive environment. Mm -hmm. So for us, um, when Owen was hospitalized in first grade, the first time, uh, I got a call from the district saying, we can't accommodate him, he needs to go somewhere else. And they wow. gave me, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, they gave me a name of a school. I went and toured it, and it was an alternative school for, you know, kids with severe behavior problems um, here in Columbus. So um, I went and toured it. It was fine, but I also knew it wasn't appropriate for my son. And I told them that I said, "There's a lot of things that you guys could still try before you, you know, resort to taking him somewhere else." And so that's when we decided he'll go to school for a half day. Well, then he's hospitalized again in December. And they were like, we can't do this. Like, he can't come back here. And uh, Wow, again. Yeah. They were like, he needs to go to this school. And I was like, no, he's, no. Like, it's not appropriate for him. It's not his least restrictive environment. He needs to go to an autism school, someplace that understands behaviors that are related to autism. And the problem is his ETR is under emotionally disturbed. It's not under autism. And they refused to put his ETR under autism. So I was fighting for him to go to an autism school. And they were like, no, he needs to go to this one. And I think the reason why is because they already had busing going there. Uh, so they gave me two choices of these two schools. And they were both not appropriate. Um, and I was like, no, like that's just not going, like that's not an option for us. So he didn't go to school for two months. He was on home instruction for two months until finally they were like, okay, we can send him to, you know, this autism school, and he's doing amazing there. Mm -hmm. Special education is a service, not a place. I think that's very important okay. to remember. Wow, and talk, say a little bit more about what you mean by yeah. that. So we get 13 categories that are under IDEA <laughs> to qualify, you know, to receive services. I think we get so caught up in labeling these kids, and a lot of them, they could fall in different categories. Um, I think OHI, other health impairment, gets overused a, a little bit because it's such an umbrella term. But no matter what the category that they qualify under, it's the services they need. The, that's the appropriateness. It's not the placement, but absolutely. 
you know, the least restrictive environment. You should always start general education classroom, really, and mm-hmm. then move from there. Mm-hmm. And that's what IDEA says as well. Wow. So you both mentioned ETRs, so tell us about ETRs. Yeah, so an ETR, one of the three million acronyms in, in the special education <laughs> world. Yeah. Actually, I think it's three million and one. <laughs> but ETR stands for Evaluation Team Report. What it, it used to be MFE, which was a multifaceted evaluation. Okay. Okay. So these are the initial, if it's initial ETR, you need to be very, very careful because there's a lot of planning meetings that go up to even evaluating the student that you need to be a part of and, and understand the pre-planning meeting. You're going over every single assessment that that district is going to give to your child to determine whether they're eligible for special edu- special education services. And Tara and I just gave each other a look because we didn't know that. Yeah. No one told us that. It's that one-page form that they check, you know, is there enough data available? You know, we don't need to do any further testing, but it's probably, especially if it's an initial ETR, mm-hmm. the most important meeting hmm. in that process. Hmm. Because wow. you have to get the data and the assessments to line up with what, you know, the suspected disability is. Wow, interesting. Okay. Right, so take, take notes of that. Listeners. Write that down. Yeah. You have to be at the pre-planning meeting. Just pull over on the side of the highway and mm-hmm. jot it down. Yeah, for sure. And, and make sure too, in those planning meetings, it also says who's gonna do the evaluation. Mm-hmm. So if there's a behavior component of it, you know, there's intervention specialists that are absolutely qualified to do that, but I'd rather see uh, a BCBA or a behavior specialist mm-hmm. conduct that portion of the ETR. Mm-hmm. If there's a speech concern, I want the speech and language pathologist completing that section of the evaluation. Mm-hmm. And what makes that so important? It's their specialty. Mm-hmm. You know, that's their area of expertise. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that, if they do qualify, are going to be carrying out the services on the IEP, too. Mm-hmm. So having that baseline and just working with the student and getting a feel, um, yeah, it's a must. Okay, that makes sense. How often are ETRs usually done? Do you have a sense for that? Every three years. Okay. They have to be done. They're, they're triannual, so. But a parent can request an ETR once a year. And is that because if there's any new developments with the child? Absolutely. Okay. Also, a parent, if they disagree with the results of the evaluation, can request an IEE, an independent evaluation paid for by the district. Okay. Now, keep in mind, though, you can bring that to the table again, and the district considers it doesn't automatically qualify them. Right. But it is very good you know, justification for. Mm-hmm. To ask. Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay. And how often can an IEP meeting be held? Every day. Mm-hmm. But don't tell the teachers I said that. <laughs> um, no, because I've been there before, so I'm not, you know, I don't ever want to throw anyone under the bus. <laughs> but it's a working document. You know, parents get very concerned signing off. It's like buying a house or a car. Mm-hmm. But I remind them there's amendments that can be made. We can call a meeting at any time. Right now, I'm telling a lot of my clients, be reaching out to your school to call an IEP meeting to see what the next year is going to, this year's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Meet your child's teacher. Mm-hmm. Go over the schedule. If they're transitioning to middle school, make sure they can open their locker. Mm-hmm. That's where I taught was middle school, and that was the biggest anxiety oh, and, I re- yeah. and tears I the first day of school. Yeah. So just simple things like that, you know, but that, 
is where you have that support of all the people that are on your IEP team. So utilize it. Absolutely. Don't call a meeting every day. You know? <laughs> right. But when you need to, you have that right. And you mentioned that an IEP is a living document. But um, I think it's important for people to know that's also a legal document. Mm-hmm. They are held to what that IEP says. Yep. Section 7. Do you want a job as an advocate? No, that sounds way too hard. (laughs) I can barely handle mine. (laughs) Um, No, because we, you know, it's really important to, you know, go through it line by line and make sure that you're okay with it. If you're not okay with it, you don't have to sign it. Absolutely. I would never sign an IEP the day of. I mean, you're signing the participants page, Mm -hmm. which shows compliance for the district that they held that meeting. Wait until they give you the finalized IEP, email it to you, read it over, you get your prior written notice, which, you know, summarizes what happens in that meeting, and then sign it to make sure everything is good. You do not need to sign the day of. I wouldn't, if it was my, if it was Aria, mm-hmm. I would not do it as a parent. Mm-hmm. Okay. And IEP stands for? Individualized, individualized <laughs> education plan. And in terms of that individualized piece, that's it's kind of summing up what we've been talking about. Like the theme that you've been hitting on is this is individualized for that child and how important that is. Yeah, and this again from my teaching experience, which I'm so grateful for, the individualization is not all academics. Um, my dad refers to Maslow's taxonomy, which mm-hmm. is the basic needs of a child. You can't teach Bloom's te- taxonomy, which is academic-based, until they've mastered Maslow's. Mm-hmm. And Oh my gosh, she's speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> I love and I'm just like, what? Yeah. We'll, and, we'll explain it. I'll explain it to you. And it just, it builds that rapport mm-hmm. um, that is, is absolutely huge, and that's individualized. Mm-hmm. Um, I built such a good rapport there. It was a mom of a student that I used to have that watched Aria while she was a baby um, for free I mean, because she was so thankful. So, I mean, it's just getting to know your student. But then also on the academic side, we need to make sure that the goals are individualized to that student and their levels academically. And it doesn't have to be academic goals either. Mm -hmm. If it's a student that's going to go into a trade or maybe a more sheltered work environment, those goals are going to look different, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, sure. We need to be looking at the whole child while looking at the IEP. Back to what you're saying, Section 7 mm-hmm. of the IEP, I call it the heart. It's the first thing I look at. That is where everything is written out for you. How many minutes are going to be spent on what services, mm-hmm. who's going to provide the services, when it's going to happen, and the semantics mm-hmm. in that section on that page can get very, very tricky and confusing Mm -hmm. and you know you see multi-sensory approach to reading including encoding and decoding if I wasn't in education I would think they were speaking a different language so but that's the most important piece and if there's ever you know a conflict with the district where you have to escalate it that's where they're going to go and I I hear you on the minutes thing that speaks to me because in the most recent IEP meeting we had which was last year for Finn I, the what I'm going to the district for is I would like an extended school year for him. And when I was talking about it with them the last time, we kind of focused on speech because he's nonverbal. And I, I looked in there and I think it was like maybe 
30 minutes total for the week or something like that. For ESY? For for speech. Oh, during the school year. Yeah, like if he were going to go to Canal. Gotcha. Because he goes to Bridgeway right now. Okay. But if he were going to go to our home district, it was it was maybe that much. And I was just like this, that wouldn't work for him if he came here because he gets individualized speech. He gets group speech. He gets more individualized speech. I mean, Bridgeway is kind of the rock star when it comes to providing Mm -hmm. those services. And it was just kind of so I get that, like, I have to pay attention to that, because if there were ever like a concern or an argument or a difference about that, like, I know that unfortunately, our, I don't think our district could provide him mm-hmm. that what they need in terms of that, that time and, and yeah, and it's fine because I'm a so I'm a therapist. Mm-hmm. I'm scope of practice person. Like can is Finn in your scope of practice? And it just doesn't from all the, the times I've interacted, it doesn't feel like he could be in their scope of practice. Yeah. And I think that's okay to say. Absolutely, there's a lot of related service providers, which is what a speech and language pathologist is. Yeah. And you don't need all of them. Mm-hmm. But back to your point about the minutes, if there's a goal attached to those, which it should be, mm-hmm. those minutes, look at the goal and see what they're asking them to do. Mm-hmm. And if it's 30 minutes weekly, you know, mm-hmm. we break that down and you're looking at six minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Can they accomplish that? in the goal and how it's written, can they accomplish what they're saying that they're going to do with the um, specifically designed instruction of Section 7? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that has to line up. And mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of IEPs, it's, you know, 20 minutes a week, but they have all the stuff that they're going to do and list out, and I just simply ask the question, how? That's a, yeah, that's a really you good... You know, and I'm not, not to be controversial, but I don't think I could do that. Right, And, and right. a lot of times they're receptive, you know, because right. they want to provide these services, so it's just... <clears throat> making sure that the minutes correlate. Right. Um, so tell us what the difference is between an IEP and a 504. Mm-hmm. So an IEP, as I mentioned, you're, you're going to have measurable goals. There's services that are provided. It is much more intervention-based. A 504 is accommodations, like we had talked about through college. Actually, IEPs transfer to 504s when you go to college. Okay. Um, so it's the accommodations that you need. They don't, they're not really, they don't have a deficit in a specific area. Okay. A lot of 504s that I've witnessed here lately, anxiety related, mm-hmm. um, you uh-huh. know, they need breaks, something like that. And that's, again, back to the whole child. Uh-huh. Because, you know, with simple accommodations, this kid does great in school. Uh-huh. They can be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can we real t- quick talk about, sorry. <laughs> Can we real quick talk about, um, we see this a lot, uh, you know, in different groups that we're in. We get different questions about this. Um, I asked for an IDP and they denied me. How, what does the process look like? If you think that your kid needs extra accommodations, if they need an IEP, what is that process like? What can the school, Do. Just, just tell me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, when you asked for your IEP, did you email or was it verbal? I called. Document everything in writing. Okay. Um, I do, you know, and it's. I don't want to put out there that I don't trust school districts, but it's just, it's nice to have for your records. If I make a phone call to a director, I follow up with an email, a summary, kind of a prior written notice of what we talked about, so it's documented. 
because if you would have made that request, then it starts the timeline for evaluation and it stops RTI, which is the route to intervention, which schools are pushing a lot now because there's tiers, tier one, tier two, tier three, which we could talk about forever. But as soon as you request that formal evaluation, the district either needs to evaluate or send you a prior written notice saying that they're denying the evaluation and justify why. Mm -hmm. And what kind of, um, what kind of examples would they, can you give that they would deny it, but just outright? Background information, looking through the students' files. Unfortunately, some districts go off of grades and academics. Mm -hmm. And because there's so many great teachers out there, they're providing interventions and accommodations already that just aren't documented. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you really, the best thing, if a district denies, and if you're able to do it, I would have an outside, like a nationwide children, you know, evaluation that you've done on your own and bring that in. And mm -hmm. usually they're more apt to, you know, conduct their own evaluation at that point mm -hmm. because there's been a specialist that has said that, but yeah. And then after they conduct their evaluation, you know, they can qualify under IDEA in the 13 categories. But if they don't need that intervention, there's always the 504. Okay. And there might not be anything. I mean, the evaluation might not find that there is any need for special services. So for example, I got a email yesterday from an acquaintance that said, um, you know, please help me, we're going into the school year and I'm stressing out. My son was suspended four times last year because of his behavior. He punched a teacher in the face, stabbed someone with a pair of scissors, and they keep telling me that he's not eligible for an IEP. What do I do? Well, I would mention child find. Um, which is now new in IDEA, it is the district's responsibility to seek out and, and document children that are having social emotional you know, needs, behavioral needs, academic needs. For that, there's a function to why that kid is doing that. There's a function to that behavior. I don't believe in a bad kid. Mm -hmm. I really don't. I don't believe in a lazy kid either if we're gonna go there. There is a reason why that is happening. That's why an evaluation would come into place mm -hmm. to tell us, you know, I mean, was, is the student not eating breakfast in the morning? I mean, you know, simple things. But we need, I say we, but in the education world, we need to look at the whole child and the function. Why is that happening? Because they're not choosing to be a bad kid. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so does anybody's brain hurt yet? I'm just Listening. like, I'm like, I could talk about this all day. I know. I could too. So, <laughs> sorry if I'm rambling. No, no, no. You're doing great. I, this is great. And having all of, I think just having the, the big picture mm -hmm. summed up for us is so very helpful because I know with the kiddos and parents that I work with, I get questions all the time. Like, what is the difference between an IEP and a 504? How often should I be asking for things like that? Mm -hmm. And this is great because I've been able to share within my experience and working with my two kiddos, but... Um, I mean, this is just basic stuff that I think is really important for everybody going in to the schools to know and just to have that common language. Yeah. It's so overwhelming and there's so much available, but you may not necessarily know that it is available. Or how to word it. Yeah. I find that a lot. I mean, my parents are my best teammate because they tell me what they need and I'm able to put it into educational terms and how that can fit into an IEP or whatever plan it may be. You can speak that language. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of, mm -hmm. um, your team offers here a free Thursday night workshop for parents. Am yep. I getting that right? Mm -hmm. 
So can you give us um, an idea of some of the topics that you cover or have sure. covered? It's every Thursday at 6.30. Um, tonight, we're actually doing the transition piece of okay. the IEP. Okay. So section five and how that should look and you know what needs to be in there, because that's changed a lot with the competitive integrated employment that's part of that transition piece. It's gotten very, very detailed. They actually have to provide progress reports on the transition goals now. Wow. To make sure that they're, because there's transition goals and there's transition services or activities, but they have to write an annual goal that they provide progress reports for. And one other thing before I continue answering that question, the one thing that I would say about IEPs that I would really encourage parents to do with the goals is make sure there's baseline. A lot of the yeah, information is from the ETR, which is standardized tests. And if you have a goal that says, this, you know, Johnny will pay attention 80% of the time, well, how do we know where he is right now? Mm -hmm. And how on the progress reports are parents going to know if we're making progress or if we're regressing? Um, so very important with the baseline, and it goes back to your ESY too, fighting for the ESY. I would fight till the bitter end to check that you should revisit ESY later on in the school year. Don't ever check no, because you never know. Mm -hmm. They don't know until they take that data to see if there's regression over a long break. Hmm. Sorry, that's my, the two things about the IEP though that are big tips, section seven, the goals with baseline and the progress reports just you know but pay attention to those okay all okay. right yes um but yeah tonight so we're going over section five the transition piece we have done um the language of iep or of special education which is a ton i mean that workshop probably could have gone on for a couple of days mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i think the social emotional one was probably my favorite mm -hmm. that we did because there is PBIS now, the Positive Behavior Intervention System that schools should be utilizing. And that goes into the child find and the repeated patterns of behaviors and things like that. Um, and then we're doing one on progress reports, which seems so simple, but they're so important. Mm -hmm. So very important because mm -hmm. if you're monitoring those, you're monitoring your child. And are they progressing or regressing? That's when, yeah, I would call an IEP meeting if they're regressing, if we need to change something. Or if they have medical. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, and you did one topic. Um, I noticed it was um, avoiding emotions and other parent obstacles. Yep. And I giggled at that, but then I was also like, oh, I'm emotional. <laughs> so tell us, like, maybe say, what did you mean by avoiding emotions and how is that a parent obstacle? When I was writing that, it was difficult for me because I do have background in it, but I am not a parent of a child with a special need. And I have to remember that. Thank you. Because Thank you know, you. I can do my job, but I, I really don't know what it's like. Yeah. Thank to, you to for saying that. Um, so I took Aria, who is my absolute world, and I'm wrapped, my daughter wrapped around her finger. And I think to myself, and I do this in a lot of cases, what if this was Aria? What would I do? You know, so it's, those are the emotions that you have to get over. And you have to come confident to the meeting. I think that will help with the anxiety and the intimidation. You said there's 17 people sitting on the other side of the table. I'm pretty sure the janitor was in there. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Just for what's up. Sometimes yeah. the SRO off. Yeah. Yeah, but, they have their attorneys with them. And yeah, and it, it is. It's very. It can be very, very intimidating. 
but I, no matter what, if you're working with someone or not, I encourage parents to keep a binder of the progress reports, of emails, the documentation will save you. Okay. It's not written down, it never happened. Give us the um, website for where people are checking out the, the free workshop and when it is. And We have two websites, but for special ed specifically, it's awspeced.com. AWSpeced.com. Okay. Get on that. And you can Google All Bite Wiker LLP, and it's on our main website as well. So, okay. Yeah. And we'll also link to their page from our page. Absolutely. Thank so that you. you can find that. The information there. I just what you're doing for the community, offering free resources is so incredible. Yeah, you know, there's such a need for it. It's, yeah, I, and I appreciate that. But it's also awesome for me because it changes so much, mm-hmm. and so I'm able to, you know, preparing for the workshops. I'm learning. You mm-hmm. know, I'm constantly learning because things are constantly changing. So the one that I, we did on the social emotional with the PBIS, there's been a lot of changes to that that I was not aware of, I'll be real honest with you. Wow. So those workshops helped me too. Okay, nice. okay. Um, one kind of final question. Do people, families have to wait until things are like at a boiling point or at their worst before they would consult with an advocate or an attorney? Absolutely not. Um, a lot of parents like to go in with an advocate because again, it diminishes that anxiety. You know, mm-hmm. you're walking in with someone that knows what they're doing. But, you know, my whole goal is to rally that team to work collaboratively. And I think that's difficult sometimes for some parents that maybe aren't as well versed in the, the special education and what's out there. And you can't really work collaboratively if you don't know. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of clients tell me I feel like they're experts on the other side of the table. They're telling me what to do for my child. And I kind of just agree. That's not working collaboratively. That's not the point of an IEP. So yes, I mean, absolutely do your research or um, hire an advocate, mm-hmm. you know, to come in because it, I really try to make it non-controversial mm-hmm. because I think advocacy has gotten a bad name, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a lot of directors that walk into the meetings and they're ready for a fight and that's not what I'm there for. You mm-hmm. know, I know the districts typically are doing the best they can with what they have. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of students, but we need to make sure that we're focusing on the one that we're talking about today. For sure, absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much. And yes, I just- It's amazing. I know, I really, like we could spend hours just talking, but I know you probably have- No, I could spend hours. A work day <laughs> that you have like to I get said, back I, to. I, I, it's a, order a passion that became an obsession. <laughs> So can, can we come back at yeah. some point? tomorrow? And let, <laughs> the way you call IEP meetings, I didn't know. Yeah, well that's, no, that's, oh, no, that's me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm the one walking in with Sorry. like my guns blazing. And um, I actually, I have this tattoo, it says worth the fight on my arm and I got it after a really bad IEP meeting. Yeah. Cause I was like, oh no, I'm here to fight for my kid. Yeah. yeah. What's up? We t- Is that what happens? We, Cause yeah. she calls me, she's like, do you have money for a tattoo? <laughs> and I'm like, I guess, I guess. So she's my expensive friend yeah. to hang out with because you can tell by how many IEP meetings we've had by the number of tattoos. Yeah. And one thing to remember, because of the fight, you know, and I, there is some of that you feel, you know, you were negotiating. The intervention specialist typically, though, 
they get put on the hot seat a lot. Yeah. And, and yeah. I sat there. And there's so much that's out of their control. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've His intervention specialist was amazing. She's so sweet. I see her Aldi all the time. Mm-hmm. I love her. It was, it was beyond her. Absolutely. So, you know, don't play the blame game, especially with the people that are going to be working right. with your child yeah. right. you know, for the remainder of that year or in the future. Yeah. Because a lot of times, you know, like Sarah said, it is not their fault. It's yeah. above their you know, decision. and you still have to. You know, my son doesn't go to school there anymore, but they still write his IEPs. We saw their his IEP meetings there. Like we're still involved with them. He's still enrolled in that district. He's just has a school contract to go to a different school. Yep. So, you know, you have to. You know, you catch more flies with honey. Whatever. It's just not my personality. I don't know that you believe that statement. <laughs> no, no, I really do. Um, no, I wish that I like wasn't such a hothead when I went in there. It's your child though, and that's why I say I can't understand Exactly, that, you know? exactly. I, mean, I try to put myself, you know, in that situation, but yeah. I, I can't fully. Especially when, like, they don't know him like I do, and they're just seeing a kid that is acting out and is having these behaviors because he wants to, and I'm like, no, guys, he is, like, stressed out. There's and an he, antecedent. Something's coming before. Something's yeah, happening. Yeah. yeah, and he's capable of so much, but you're not giving him a chance. But it's, it's fine now. It's fine. You you did the work. I did the work, and now guess what? We went to his next IEP. So when my son left our district, he had never met an IEP goal. Mm-hmm. It was his third IEP, and he had never met a goal. When we went to our next IEP meeting a year later, he had met every single goal that they'd written. They had to write all new goals. It was a completely fresh IEP, and I was like, huh? He he met all he met all those. All, that must have been them? a good feeling. Oh, he 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 like an ad and divide was it a good feeling or were you questioning oh it? no it was a great feeling okay <laughs> because i knew he could do it okay good i didn't know yeah what we, going we, knew, we knew he was smart <laughs> we knew that i knew that he could do it but they were yeah. like no he hasn't done this so he can't do this and i'm like nobody can he just needs to be in the right environment that will an appropriate environment mm-hmm. yeah he needs to be in the free and appropriate environment there's that appropriate word again <laughs> well chad thank you so much absolutely um, we really appreciate your time And I just want to give some encouragement to the folks listening, Um, you know, seek out that support system like Chad is encouraging, get that knowledge, do your research, take notes, document. Um, Those things will just further support you and further support your case. Um, And then if you need it, come check out our friends here at Albia. Weaker. All bite Wiker. All bite Wiker. LLP. Yeah. Sorry, LLP. I was saying your name wrong. I know. Terrible, but <laughs> come check them out if you need that support. And then finally, friends, here's to the complexity in our journey. Um, may those who observe us do so with compassion. Um, compassion, especially for our major, for our beautiful kiddos. So, so good. And Chad has one more thing. And I just want to leave everybody with remember you're your child's voice when they don't have one. And if you need help with that, you know, someone else can be. But, you know, that's a big role, and I know, and that's where the emotions come in, but you're your child's voice. And if you sense something wrong, it usually is. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you you guys for coming. This has been awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for having us, and we love talking to you, and you're going to be second best because we're going to talk to you all the time. Okay, so you'll be back Monday then? Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Calling off work. I will be here. here. (laughs) Thank you guys for doing this. I think it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you guys for listening out there, too. Yes, thank you. Uh, Our family listeners will talk to you soon.